Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. It's actually, I think, more dangerous than it sounds if you're starting to lose your your motivation, your excitement about what exactly. You're doing. It's very dangerous. Listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a living, making great art. I'm your host, Andy J. Miller. Illustration Age is our proud syndicate. You can find this show at illustrationage.com/slash creative pep talk on SoundCloud and iTunes. So this show has kind of taken over my life in uh, pretty much only good ways. Um, I love doing the show sincerely, and uh, it comes from a real place, a real passion to help creative people thrive, um, for the to help people help creative people uh, find the right way to communicate their value. Um, to the world that maybe doesn't understand it or see it. Um, And I believe those things. You know, this week I had a message from a guy um, actually from my home state, and uh, they were just telling me their story and how the podcast has helped them. And, um, you know, that's not necessarily a super unusual thing. It happens... uh, pretty often, you know, and, um, I, but I was telling my wife about it because it just struck me for some reason. And as I was telling her about the story, um, I actually genuinely started crying. Uh, and I'm not a, a shameful crier. I can cry with the best of them. I love a good cry. I kid you not. Um, but I, I started crying and I realized that, you know, I knew that this stuff was important to me. I knew helping creative people was a big deal to me, um, but I'm not sure I knew it was on such a cellular level. And that was just a good reminder that I know that we're not, you know, performing brain surgery or whatever, but I do think that this is important. I believe that creative people giving their value, um, you know, contributing to our world is incredibly important for the world and also for the creative person. Um, Being creatively fulfilled and thriving financially as a person in the world um, is something that I am dedicated to helping others doing. Um, And, 
you know, I was reminded of that this week. I was reminded that this is um, not a joke for me, even though I get really silly, silly about it. I genuinely am deeply driven to help creative people thrive in a world that's maybe um, not set up for them to succeed. And so thank you guys for sharing the podcast. Thanks for all the notes that you send me and encouragement. Um, It is really genuinely touching. Um, So that's a serious note to start the podcast. Um, Let's talk about what we're going to do today. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Brandon Reich. Brandon actually recently started a podcast called The Graphic Sound. He has been putting his heart and soul into that thing. He The, the production values are just insane. It sounds beautiful. Um, he's really being honest and on there, and it's, it's starting to really uh, get some momentum. I suggest you go check it out. If you like the creative pep talk, you might like the graphic sound. I think it's got some similarities, but it's got its own flavor. If you're a designer, especially, it's kind of more leaning that direction. Um, Brandon is definitely cooler in a more obvious way. than I am. Um, it, it's kind of just a, a um, kind of leans that way. But uh, a place to start would be episode 10. He released it today. It's an interview with me, a long form interview where we touch on a lot of things that I kind of maybe allude to or mention on the podcast, but we go way deeper into 
kind of my life story, why I do what I do, um, all that good stuff. And I had a blast chatting with Brandon. So go check that out. That's episode 10. You could also check out the episode where he interviews Jesse Bryan. That interview is fantastic. And and they talk about branding and kind of knowing yourself as an artist. That I loved that episode. Really, really good stuff. Um, I think that there's some amazing things happening over on that podcast, and it's just going to get better and better. Brandon is an awesome guy, and uh, we've become really good friends over this past year, and I can't wait to see how we continue to collaborate. Today's episode, however, today we're talking about staying pepped up, staying inspired, staying motivated. We don't just talk about doing that. We don't just talk about why it's important. We talk about how you can actively do that, stay inspired for the long game in a sustainable way. And so that's what we get into today. I hope you really, really enjoy it. Here it is. Yeah, so I came up with this topic about staying pepped up, staying motivated, staying inspired because... A, you know, actually where it came from was I think the first time that we met up, you asked me why Pep Talk, why is it called Pep Talk? Why the title Pep yeah. Talk? Yeah. yeah, and I hadn't really thought about it. It was more like an intuitive thing just in that it fits me, fits everything, you know, fit it fit the topic and everything, but I hadn't really given it a lot of thought Yeah. Um, of, you know, is it important to stay pepped up? Like, is it important to... Um, feel motivated, inspired, and all that good stuff. And so, um, and then also, I'd kind of, when we first met up, which was how long ago? Less than a year? Yeah, I'd say less yeah. than a year. I think probably like summer of 2015, or I think it was probably summer, spring, yeah. spring or summer of 2015. And you were feeling kind of burnout. Always. Yes. Yeah. Throughout <laughs> the, if you're talking to me about 2015, yes. 14, 13, yeah. fully burnout. Three yeah. years of full on burnout. Yep. And so that, so this topic has been something that we've talked a lot about, you know, how do we, how, how do you, how are you reinvigorating what you're doing and, and, and why that's important, how it affects the work and, you know, all that good stuff. And it got me thinking about how important it is to emotionally be engaged with what you're doing to a degree. And are you a, uh, uh, Seinfeld fan? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, I thought about the episode where Kramer is test driving a car mm-hmm. and they're like trying to push it like as far as they possibly can on yeah. E just yeah. to see where it goes, you know? And, uh, I started thinking about that and I'm, I'm guessing you're the type of person that keeps a full tank. Uh, you mean keeps a full tank of enthusiasm? No, I mean oh. in your car, literally. I don't let me. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go a quarter of a tank, go fill it yeah. up. I won't let it get to you. I mean, the lights come, comes on sometimes. Um, but as, as a designer, you know, how far will this thing go? I'm like, there is no choice. The car must continue going. If there's no gas, then there's gotta be fumes. And if there's no fumes, then I'm going to have to Fred Flintstone that Mm -hmm. thing because it must keep going. I have to hit the deadline. Yes. You know, if we're using the metaphor for creative career. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that scenario of let's see how far this thing goes, I will have my eyes all red and twitching mm. and whatever. Yes. If, and still get the work done. And Yeah. And, but that's, so that's not really, ideal. That's obviously. really interesting. And yeah, and I've, I have done that so many times and I, and I want to talk about 
what keeps you not maybe feeling motivated even, but dedicated to the wire. You know, maybe you don't feel like it, but you're, you're going, you're, you're running on fumes, you're pushing it to the end, you get to the deadline. How do you keep yourself pushing to that degree? Um, but before we go there, you know, I was starting, I looked around for like some stories about, I don't know, funny stories about people running out of gas. And actually I never fill up my gas until it's totally the lights on and everything. Yeah. Really well, you have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really stupid about that. And, and so I think there's been lots of times where I've almost, uh, ran out of gas. And actually, as I was like looking for stories online for people that had run out of gas, there's like page after page on Google of person dies because they ran out of gas and someone hit them on the side of the road. Yikes. Someone beat, someone got beat because they were stranded because they ran out of gas. You know, like all these, like literally page after page of news stories of people getting harmed because they ran out of gas. And I thought the thing about feeling motivated and psyched and and when you start feeling, Hmm, I'm not maybe super into the work that I'm doing today. Hmm. Okay. You, you might feel that way at that point you might have a quarter tank, yeah, but you don't know when that thing's going to run out and you don't know what situation you're going to be in. You might be in a place where there's no jobs coming in and you have no motivation. So it's actually, I think, more dangerous than it sounds if you're starting to lose your, your motivation, your excitement about what exactly. you're Exactly. It's yeah. very dangerous. You know, I think uh, on a recent, on one of my episodes, I did a conversation with Jesse Bryan. Yeah. In that conversation, it was, I can't let this thing go off the, tra- go off the tracks. Yeah. As far as my career goes, I have to do whatever I can so that I'm not in the scenario where I'm filling up my gas tank on the side of the road and yes. might get hit by a car or get beat up or whatever. Um, I am very... I think there's a big picture, there's a big picture motivation that I have as far as I've created this career on my own. I yeah. got really lucky, meaning the work can, has continued to come in, but there's always the foreboding feeling of, yeah, but it could end any day. Yes. Well, it could, but man, you've been doing this for like, let's see, oh, two, I started. So that, what is that? 14 years, you know, that'll so, only get you so far that, that kind of motivation. Cause at some point it's like, this is your life now. So yeah. now you need some new kind of fuel. Right. Or, so if I've been holding this on going for 14 years, I can either say, well, then it's going to always go. Yeah. Or if I've been doing it for 14 years means, well, I have to take action in some way so that it continues or yeah. that I have to take action in some way so that I get a another phase of this career. There's been phases. If I look back over mm-hmm. the past 14 years, there have been phases. The first phase was I wasn't even doing it full time. Second phase was I was challenging myself. Third phase was, can I make um, plenty of money, I guess yep. I should say plenty, meaning could I make enough money that I don't have to worry about if I'm going to get a smaller, large drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it was, is there a huge business that I'm going to build out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, when I start becoming more of an adult, is there an opportunity to build a business? Can that I go from surviving grinding? to thriving? Thriving, and, yeah. right. And, uh, and which version of thriving yeah. do I want to live? And if we, I, you know how I like to just push the metaphor and analogy as far as possible. There's a danger to when you find yourself on cruise control. And like you said, you know, early on, you have that motivation of like, I either, I just need to break in yeah, or I just need to gain momentum. And then once you have momentum, you have it of, I just need to keep the momentum going. And, but at some point, if you're just, you know, 
on cruise control and you're letting it, the tank run low. And that's kind of where you found yourself, I think. Yeah. Um, but before, we, so that's kind of the premise of the show. I want to talk about how do you stay excited about what you're doing? If you're not excited about it on a regular basis, what are some action things that you can do to kind of reinvigorate things we've both learned um, about staying excited and, uh, and staying motivated about the work you're doing? Before we do that, though. I wanted to just talk about your show because you, you haven't been on this show since you started your own podcast. Right. And I just listened to that Jesse Bryan interview and it's fantastic. Episode six. Yes. With Jesse Bryan. I think. Oh, it's so good. There's like, that's the kind of shop talk that I like to hear. He, he talks a lot about Seth Godin, who's like one of my all time favorites yeah. and uh, it's awesome. And I think what's really interesting about our conversations is I'm a super goofy, more expressive you know, I don't know, sloppy. There's all kinds of, <laughs> and I used to have a hardcore band. Yeah. And you used to have a hardcore. <laughs> I'm in all listening. black right now. We could just totally, <laughs> yeah, we could totally sum it up with, I grew up listening to love songs, R and B, and you grew up in a hardcore band. Listening to nine inch nails. Yeah. <laughs> it's nine inch nails boys or to boys to men. Yeah. No, man, I listen to boys to men and yeah, bell bib yeah, and, yeah. and color me bad and all that stuff too. I was, and I listened to some, I, there was like, I had a, uh, the season from going from R and B to, uh, indie music. Yeah. I spent a few, I, I don't know. It was like six months in the emo phase. Oh yeah. I had, uh, like now which version of emo we got to understand this. Like the bad version. Emo is not black hair hanging over your eyes with lip rings that, that there is an emo that precedes that emo when we're talking about bands like oh, yeah. sunny day, real estate, I'm aware of that. And Joan and that of Arc fantastic. And jawbreaker and all that stuff. So even early modest mouse, I think was pretty yeah. emo. So and, there is a phase of emo that still to me is extremely reputable very credible and that i really respect but and i emo, got to it i got into that after the fact but that wasn't where i was at the time emo used to be about shouting and mm-hmm. then it became about whining mm-hmm. and then it became about dying your hair black yeah. and it became about wearing pants that were way too tight for you yeah. and that sort of thing i'm talking about the used and dashboard yeah, yeah, yeah. no well <laughs> see now dashboard dashboard has old records uh, yeah, that came it, out on well, Fiddler. they have you know they yeah. had their foot in both camps in a lot yeah, of ways yeah, yeah. yeah they were kind of like the the anyway i didn't spend much time there thank <laughs> thank goodness but um anyway uh so no we're talking about number one the differences between you and i and i think what yes. you know the reason that we are, we can say that we're different today. Something happened in my life where I felt like the best art that I made was usually inspired by, um, anger or Mm -hmm. rather dark emotion. And I know that sounds really creepy. It sounds like Harry Potter, dark art, (laughs) Slytherin or something. But what, what I mean is that I was able to express myself better with a band when I was screaming. And in that world of screaming in that world of hardcore or whatever, I found more, um, honesty with it was skulls yeah. and black and that whole thing. And that just made more sense to me. Mm. And I enjoyed that more. Um, but sure. Like I can appreciate, you know, yo Gabba Gabba or mm-hmm. something like yeah. I love, you know, I love that sort of and thing. And I think, you know, I, I think everybody can be multidimensional. I can, you know, I, ha- I have definitely parts of me that enjoy all kinds of different facets, but that's probably not my core yeah. being. And, and it's really fantastic. And one of the things that I think we've been discussing, we knew that our podcast would be dramatically different in tone and, yeah. and content and all that stuff. And it's been really interesting. But the core of what it is is so similar. We ha- yes, <laughs> we are. And, and I think we have similar passion for 
shop talk and yeah. self-reflection and, and art and design and illustration. And, but it's been really great to have to, uh, kind of understand the differences in our niche. Yeah. And I think one of the things that came out of it for me was that I realized, although I think creative folks across the spectrum could enjoy both of our podcasts, you were really pushing me on, um, I think you're an illustrator, you know, your core audience is probably illustrators and yours is maybe more design. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just as an aside, I thought this was kind of fascinating. I realized that, um, my core drive is to give form to formless things. Like I love anything that's abstract that feels important to me. I love making it less abstract for other people. And the funniest thing, and and that comes across in like the analogies I do on the show. So I say, Oh, here's this maybe complex concept or theoretical concept. Here's a little stupid story that'll help you hold on to it a little bit better. And I realized what they call that in terms of, uh, when you're doing speaking, it's called illustration. I'll give you an illustration. And then I realized that that description that I'd come up with, like, this is my purpose. It's this giving form to formless things. Just realized it's being an illustrator. Yeah. You illustrate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it, so that's so, so weird. And so, um, you make pictures, I make pictures of yep. things and sometimes they're verbal and sometimes they're visual, but that's literally my number one passion. And, um, so it's been really fascinating to see the two sides of a similar coin. Yeah. Um, and it's really, you're just getting started mm-hmm. and you're learning all kinds of things. Are you enjoying the process? Um, yes, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the feedback. The process is actually pretty tough because I edit it all completely on my own. And then I send it to a guy to get mix and master just so it sounds a little bit better and all the levels are, Mm -hmm. are in line, but the editing of this whole thing. And I care about the music. I care about, you know, backing music that maybe you don't necessarily notice, but Mm -hmm. you feel, um, and I care about the moments when someone says something poignant and making sure that I can, um, you know, draw attention to that or Mm -hmm. give it its moment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this last episode I just released with Ryan Clark, I probably put about seven or eight hours into editing it Mm -hmm. just because, well, this is kind of refreshing for me because the driving force is I just want to make it awesome. Mm -hmm. And I'm not looking at the clock because I'm not getting paid a dime for anything. I'm not looking at the clock. I just know that I want to create a really good product. So as a designer, I've gotten so far from that type of motivation simply because that energy is kind of absent. And right. I understand. And actually, one of the things that I'm um, sorry to cut you off and we'll kind of circle back there, but I just wanted to note that, you know, my podcast is all about uh, thriving financially and creative fulfillment. And one of the things that from watching you and, and seeing my own career is that you have to be in tune with how your creative fulfillment's doing, the gas tank of that. Right. And I think one of the things that's really hard to embrace is that the thing that you're pumped about now might help you thrive financially later, but the stuff that's making you thrive financially right now you might not be too pumped about. Right. And so it's a cyclical kind of thing that you, and you have, have to, to get it done. You yes. have to get it done. And so you have to figure out what what's the engine that can run that gets all the work done. Yep. And after you've run that engine for so long, you know, you take a minute to sit back and be like, wait, am I even passionate about Mm -hmm. this? Like the driving force behind this used to be passion and excitement. And now the driving force is deadline and, you know, not dropping the ball Mm. or something or pleasing the client or, you know, for me, a big, less meaningful thing, right? A big driving force is Brandon. Don't 
don't let you have momentum. Don't mm-hmm. let the momentum die. And for yep. me, momentum means being in really good uh, relationships with my clients, yep. um, making sure, you know, just being the number one guy for my clients. I, I want my clients to think that, man, Brandon's awesome. It's great working with Brandon. And I yes. want to continue to cultivate that relationship so that they continue saying working with Brandon Reich is awesome. I yep. love working with Brandon Reich. He makes it so easy. As long as I'm continuing to do that, then they're happy. But my stress now is in, I have to keep that up. Yes. So I can't say no to this or yeah. I can't argue on this thing that this direction they gave me that I don't think makes sense. So I'm constantly trying to not break the ice with some of these relationships. And if that becomes the focus or the motivating factor above mm. me being passionate and mm-hmm. excited about making cool stuff, then, you know, my passion and my you know, my passion kind of dies, my frustration level kind of raises, and that's a, uh, that's a frustrating spot to be in. So taking actionable steps, yep. which you mentioned before, taking actionable steps to something like this is for those times where you are very frustrated. I think it's helpful to take a step back, sit down, take a breath, mm-hmm. be like, okay, I'm extremely frustrated right now and deconstruct what it is exactly that's yes. frustrating you. One of the things, one of the action steps that I wanted to go through is inner work. Like yeah. taking time, whether it's a vacation that you have to you know, do or whether it's just an afternoon walk, setting aside time to put the phone down, put the work aside and do the inner work of what's going on. Yes. Find the right questions that, that poke at the visceral response, the real tug on the cord and you're saying there's something there and I need to, I need to pull that string and let it unravel, see the full thing yeah. until you get to the bottom of it. And, uh, yeah, I think inner work is one of the biggest things to do when you start noticing that, you know, your tank's kind of running empty. One of the things that I'm noticing though, is that with this creative fulfillment, uh, and, and, and thriving financially thing, that balance, I think in terms of like, what happens is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Right. And so what feels meaningful early on is like paying your bills. Yeah. Like, and there's meaning in that. Once you've done that for a while though, the meaning is kind of gone. Well, a young, a young person's goal is to add credibility to the thing they do every day and to feel like they're being a real adult and to please mom and dad and say, mom and dad, I'm making 30 grand a year or 40 grand or whatever it is that you felt like was your qualifying thing. First, let me get to that. And if I can get to that, then mom, mom and dad are going to know that I'm doing something with my life. Mm -hmm. I can feel like a real adult. Maybe I can go ahead and get that new apartment. Maybe I can get the car. Maybe I can get the house, whatever it is. You have to first establish the fact that you are a real adult that makes money and has a job. You just have to establish the fact you indeed have a job. And if 30 grand is that number, if 20 grand is that number to say that you have a job, That's all you care about at first. And you'll do anything. You'll bend over backwards. And I would, I would advise young creatives who are trying to get to that point. Don't like, you don't need to fight for any of your rights right now. You just have to make money. Take care of business. (laughs) Take care of business and make money. And I've seen, you know, people come out of, especially you didn't go to art school. I didn't go to art school. And I found that one of the things, one of the I'm, by the way, I always have to say this because I teach at an art school. Yeah. I'm a big art school fan. I know some of the best people in the industry are graduates of art school. But one of the things I see in students that I think is a byproduct is 
there's all this intellectual talk about what's good, what's bad and all that. And so you leave with the chip on your shoulder. Right. And you say, I'm not doing that. Crap. And you leave thinking that you have taste. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And that ends up biting you in the butt when at the beginning, it's time to get your head down, take what's given to you, make it work. Right. And, and have that kind of blue collar mentality to, to get it going. Yeah. It's like, congratulations. You think you have taste, but you have to learn how to work. Yes. And totally. if you're lazy, yeah, with you need taste, to learn how to work. Who cares? Yes. Uh, that's, that's totally If accurate. you're lazy with taste, who cares? Yeah. And uh, so I think the way that I look at it in terms of your desire, your desire is fueled by the meaning of the work that you're doing, right? And, yeah. and early on, something smaller, um, more, you know, I don't know, tangible might motivate you like buying a car or whatever it is. But at some point, you're going to have to up, up the scenario, up the ante. And I, the way I looked at it was... Have you ever been in like a shop, let's say, and there was a sale you thought, yeah, I'm going to get this thing. And then you go up and you see the line is like out the door. Yeah. And that instantly tells you, do I care about this thing? Yeah. You you get a chance, you get a beat to yes. really question your motives. Like I am not going to stand here for 25 minutes for this shirt. Yeah. I don't give a damn about the shirt. Right. And, and, and so that's a really clarifying thing. And I thought about it in terms of, we're going to go back to the car thing. If you're going to get off the exit because you want to pick up a Starbucks but there's a giant line out the exit. You're not going. You're going you're gonna to pass it. You're going to move on. Right. But if your destination is uh, you're seeing your, your wife for the first time because you've been deployed or for the past three years, you're going to wait as long as it takes. You're going to jump over those cars. You're going you're gonna to like knock everybody in line. It doesn't down. matter if you run out of gas. You're going to walk. It, you know. it is what you truly want. And I think the thing about the creative career, especially doing it on your own, is that the, the roadblocks that you're going to hit are so massive sometimes, like pulling all-nighters and you know working hard and hustling, all that stuff. It can be so difficult to, uh, to create this career that you want that if it's not tied to a deep desire, if it's just getting a Starbucks, you're going to give up. Right. And so one of the things that, one of the actionable things is, can you do the inner work of saying, what is a desire that's going to get me up out of bed in the morning? What's a desire that I can be sure about? Because I think the other thing that happens is when you're confused about what you really want, you are apathetic. Yeah. And you're not going to be disciplined. Yeah. And, and, and you're not going to be, you know, overdoing each job to please the customer and all that because you don't really know what the purpose of it all is. Right. Um, and so it was interesting to watch you go through that of like, all right, money's not an issue and clients aren't an issue. Now what's a deeper felt desire that I can tap into that's going to motivate me? And that question was, am I actually enjoying this work? Yes. And my answer to, okay, so, you know, like we said, I, I got to the point where I was making a living doing graphic design. I even got to the point where I was making a really good living doing mm-hmm. graphic design. I got to the point where I stopped doing stuff I didn't want to do like websites or collateral or whatever. I realized that I just really like doing graphic t-shirts mm-hmm. and logos. And if I could only do graphic t-shirts and logos, then that was cool. And so one step for me was get rid of all the stuff I don't want to do. Yes. Well, I keep narrowing it down as my career goes further. So now at this point in my career, there are bands like 30 Seconds to Mars or 21 Pilots yep. or Ellie Golding or Paramore or 
you know, Nine Inch Nails or whoever. There's bands like that that I get totally amped up about mm. designing for. Yep. But then there's like event tees yes. <laughs> for some music festival yeah. yep. with a bunch of bands and tour dates on the back. And drawing and, guitars. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, wait, I hate doing event tees. Yeah. I hate it. And I can look at the beginning of the day. So, so what did you say? At first, like the moment, uh, what was your word for the moment when you kind of get yourself centered, mm-hmm. sort of like taking a walk or Take it, the inner work, inner work. Yes. There you go. So my inner work is I am on, I'm in the midst of a 266 day streak mm-hmm. of doing 15 minutes of meditation in the morning. Yes. And I know as soon as I say the word meditation, things get hippie. This is me with an app on my phone yep. with noise canceling headphones. What is that? sitting still for uh, 15 minutes. The app is called Calm, Mm -hmm. C-A-L-M. Okay. And for 15 minutes, I sit still. And so my morning routine is shower, breakfast, meditate, and then work. So the meditate time is the time of the day in the morning. I'm sitting out on my porch, even when it's really cold out, I'm sitting on my porch. uh, And I am clear. I am Mm. empty. I am only optimistic about what I'm going to do that day. And if there's something that I'm dreading, I can get myself to be optimistic about Mm -hmm. it. I can find something in there that I can get excited about doing. Maybe there's something about this event tea that I can get excited about doing. Maybe there's this new technique that I've been wanting to try or something like that. Maybe there's something in there somewhere that I can get motivated to do. But through this inner work that I've done for the past 266 days, I have totally understood. I've been able to sit there and deconstruct Okay, Brandon, you're bummed about the day. You're not looking forward to what you're going to be working on today. Why is that? Yeah. And I just recently realized it's because I was designing, you know, it sounds so silly to say event tees, but I was designing for something that had no real aesthetic. And, you know, a music festival doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have a soul. It's nothing. It is just a compilation of a bunch of other stuff. No one is going to say their favorite record is some compilation. Mm -hmm. You know, if you say that your favorite record is, Oh, so-and-so's greatest hits like, Oh man, you just don't get it. Yeah. You know, so no one's favorite record is a greatest hit. You know, your favorite record is that moment in time where that band was going through that thing. The third eye blind self-titled record where, you know, there's continuity between all that. He had something to say. There was something there. So in the same way, I want to I want to get on board when a band like 30 Seconds to Mars or 21 Pilots or 9 Inch Nails or mm-hmm. whoever Paramore stands for something. Yep. And I want to deconstruct what they stand for. I want to believe the same religion yep. as them yep. so that all the art that I create for them is totally on brand, totally on vibe, and I can knock it out of the park for them. Fallout Boy is another one yep. where I've been able to just dig into their vibe, dig into their aesthetic, and mm-hmm. knock it out of the park over and over again. And those are the times when I can get immersed in the work. Yeah. Those are the times when I'm just grinding. I don't even want to say grinding. I'm enjoying yes. myself through that work and the clock's spinning. I don't even know what time it is. Well, the thing about that is, is that when you're excited about what you do, this is something that I heard um, from Freakonomics. You know about Freakonomics? Yeah. Yeah. And they're looking at studies on a large scale about who who really succeeds. And I know that the do what you love thing has been tore apart every which way. But the fact of the matter is they saw that enjoying the work that you're doing is the be- 
best competitive advantage that you can have because when if you're working but it feels like fun you like you are going to kill the competition if yeah. if to if the competition doesn't feel that way you're going to massively outdo them every time well here you go this is what i've been realizing lately work ethic is a myth yeah I can get up in my office and get totally excited about the fallout boy project that I'm working on right now and just start totally vibing with it and all that stuff. If you look at me from an outside perspective, you'd be like, man, he has such a good work work ethic. I'm not working hard. I'm just digging into this. I'm having a blast. If it looks like I'm, if it looks like I'm working hard, that's your perception. What you can't see is that that dude is so excited about the stuff that he's making right now. Yes. That's why he's working until 4am. Yep. That's why I'm doing it. It's not because, I mean, I don't know, you know, work ethic is a myth even for blue collar jobs because that guy doesn't love digging a ditch. That guy loves, um, providing for his family. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally. The motivation for him is providing for his family. The motivation for me is doing something awesome for Paramore. The motivation for me is totally understanding the brand and provoking an emotion with the stuff that yeah. I make. And when you start getting stuff that's, you know, kind of arbitrary, like an event tee mm-hmm. or, um, some print collateral for just to get information across that really doesn't have any brand yeah. or conviction or feeling. Well, now at this point in my career, that's the stuff I'm trying to weed yeah. out. If there's not a story, if there's not emotion behind what, what I'm doing and what I'm working on, if I can't, if I can't grasp on to some type of emotion yeah. and get on board with them and get fired up about something, then I am not going to enjoy that project. No. And if You're I can not gonna be able to give it your all, right. And if I to. can give myself the choice, do you want to do stuff that you enjoy or do stuff that it just pays the bills? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm finally at a point in my career where I think I can cut out the stuff that I don't enjoy and still pay the bills with the stuff I'm passionate about alone. And let's say that's 85% stuff I'm passionate about. That's a pretty great ratio. And I think, uh, just in terms of the inner work being your pit stop for gas or whatever it is stopping, the, the thing about that is that I find so fascinating is that a lot of this work that you're talking about while you were feeling super burnout, you were doing a lot of that stuff. Grinding. But when, but you were doing a lot of stuff with these bands that you do really want to work with. Yeah, yeah. But because of the burnout, everything was tainted. And without doing the inner work, you couldn't even pick apart what, what, do I actually, what am I actually trying to do? What would actually be a good scenario? Everything was tainted. There's a point in your career where you can get to say that this stuff is a cancer and I need to weed it out so that I continue to enjoy what I do. But this is terrible advice for someone who's just starting. Totally. Absolutely. (laughs) If you're just starting, do everything you possibly can. Make it work. You don't know what you're good at yet. You don't know what... You don't even know what you like. Right. You don't know what you like. You don't even know. There was a time when I was so excited to build a website for somebody and then one day I was like, there is nothing I hate more than building a website. I am never going to do this again and I haven't done it again. So I think that a lot of the advice and, you know, this goes from my podcast and your podcast, there are stages at which this advice is perfect. And there are stages in your career at which this advice doesn't apply. Totally. So like we said, the young designer grind, do everything you can. You need to learn how to work. And once you work over, you know, over years and years and years, you're going to look back and realize that you create a portfolio. Yes. Maybe it was just two or three things a year that you yep. really liked that you want to put in your portfolio. But through that work, you had a portfolio. So don't necessarily think that, you know, start out, oh, I'm only doing portfolio pieces. Get out of here. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. And the other way, the other thing I want to know is that 
although people just starting out aren't in the same situation as you, they can still extract the principle that tapping into the desire, the thing that you really, really need and want at this moment and making that really apparent at the forefront by doing inner work will help you to stay motivated and disciplined on a daily basis. Keep coming back to the mill, keep putting in time because you know that thing that you want, this is the stuff you have to do to get there. And I think um, it's even, if you want to push a little bit further, something interesting is as we were, so if you take a moment out, we went to a conference last October. That was part of the inner work time where we were, you were working through a lot of this different stuff. Right. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting is as you felt that sense of purpose by tapping into that deeper desire, the rest of the work becomes a little bit more bearable at the same time. Yeah, because the, the way that it's easy for me to make the rest of the work bearable is for me to zoom out and know that I'm an artist for a living. Yeah. And if there's a few projects and a few eventies or whatever that I got to do to get through it, it's okay because it's still at the end of the day, I'm an artist for a living. Mm-hmm. If I could go back to 17 years old and watch some, you know, there's even a video um, when I redesigned the death to stock photo logo. Yeah. There's, it's a video of this guy who has an, a home office, an all white home office, and he sits there and he sketches things on paper and then he creates graphics on the computer. <laughs> And that's freaking me. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. a video of me. But, and I know enough to zoom out and say, Brandon, look, you are the guy that you used to look up yep. to. Like you are a guy, an artist for a living, 33, 33 year old guy making a living, doing art all day, every day from my home. I'm pretty happy, you know? And, yes. and I, that is the, I don't want to say last resort, but that's always the thing where Listen, no matter how bad your day's going, zoom out. There's and a gratitude that. in yeah, that. There's yes. so much gratitude yes. in that. And going back to, you know, the difference between a blue collar worker and a, and a guy, you know, a person who's creative for a living. Creatives should be excited because someday, if you're not there yet, you get to have a job that is driven by your excitement mm-hmm. and driven by you know, it's the same thing as when you were four years old and you were in the corner building Legos and you just wanted to get that castle done. Your mom yep. told you dinner was ready, but you just wanted to finish that castle. That same thing happens as an adult doing creative work. It's like, you know, my wife tells me dinner's ready yep. or my wife says family feuds on at seven o'clock. Well, I'm grinding through this thing and I cannot wait until it's finished. And I am so excited about seeing this finished product. And I just got to do this, 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 and this, and it's all yep. done. Yep. And that passion and that intensity and that motor is totally driven by excitement. And Mm -hmm. that motor is so much better than the motor that says, Oh, I just got to get this done. Duty. I hate this project. I'm doing this thing just because I have to do it. That'll only take you so far. Yep. And you have to, and you visualize that art director that you hate because they're making you work (laughs) late on whatever, or they don't know the time zone difference or something like that. And and I hate that. That is bad energy. Yeah, totally. It happens. Definitely happens a few times a week. Totally. That's normal. Yeah. But when that energy comes in, it's like, this is not the stuff that I want to be driven by. That's not the place where you want to work from. Right. So if you let me dig into this project, I'm going to be driven by the kid, you know, trying to build the castle out of Legos, you know, and just wants to play with Legos all night. I just want to play around on my computer all night. Yep. Totally. desire to do something and then 
I think it has to be matched with a hope that you believe it can actually happen. This next stage, the thing that you're working towards, it, it can't just be something so abstract or so far away in the distance that you don't have hope. And so the the thing that I, this, the kind of parable of this is um, back when medical testing and scientific experiments were a little more brutal uh, and this thing was happening, um, there was a study that was done where they were drowning rats mm. and that's dire, but the point is pretty interesting. Um, they would take street rats that had no human interaction. I mean like Splinter or Splinter? not as big as Splinter? I meant Aladdin. That was oh, kind of, no. Got it. Or a ratatouille. <laughs> that was kind of street rats. But then uh, they would take a street rat that had no human interaction, mm-hmm. put them in a, like a glass jar with water, and they would die really quickly, like minutes. They would like search around, try to see if there's any way out, and then they would die. And they would take a rat that had tons of interaction with humans. Humans had helped it, put, put it in and out of the cage, you know, all kinds of interaction. And those rats would go hours. Because they knew at any time, somebody might just reach in and pull me out. There is a possibility. There's a hope. Yeah. And then, then they would do a test where they would take a street rat and they would put it in there and then they would take it out and they would put it in there and they would take it out. And so all the while building this hope and those rats could go for days. Yeah. So it went from minutes of sustainability to days. The simple fact that they knew it was possible allowed them to keep going. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think kills artists early on or you know having that thing that you you really want to do next if it's not tangible in some way you're not going to put in the time on a regular basis to actually make it happen yeah yeah and so i think there's lots of ways of making that kind of um diving deeper into this idea of something becoming tangible right and so out of the past couple years there's been a, a lot of different things that um that I've wanted to do, uh, and they kind of just sat on the back shelf. The best way I think to enable that hope, there's a few different action things that you can do. One of the things, one of the best, if you have no, if you're like far away from the goal and you really have no idea of how, how to make it a reality, I think the number one thing you can do is get in proximity with the people that already do that. There's nothing that changes your, your, your perspective. Like being close proximity with people that have done what you want to do. If you look at, um, I remember this story so well. Uh, Ed Norton talks about how his uh, nanny as a kid was on Broadway. She, she was like an understudy, but she was, she was on Broadway. And to him in his mind, it just brings down that veil of like, oh, this is what it looks that could like. Happen. Yeah. Yes. And that alone can give you hope. Right. Right. Um, the other thing that I think you can do is when you've done that inner work, maybe um, the thing you want to do is something you've had a taste of already. Yeah. And you lean into that. And for you, I think that it kind of looked like that. Um, yeah. For me, it was, hey, you know how you're designing T-shirts for your band? Um, maybe you could design those T-shirts for other people's bands. Yeah. <laughs> and recently, even more, you you uh, you're kind of have some kind of relation to the lead singer of 21 pilots, right? Yeah. He's my, um, he's my cousin's husband. Right. And so cousin-in-law husband, you were in that area where you could do a lot of work for the band. You got to touch almost every visual aspect of what they were doing. Yeah. And so that was kind of like 
a luck thing to a degree. Obviously you're super good. Well, it's actually interesting. Well, real quick, it's interesting because I was designing for them before they were even together before he right. was even part of my family. So oh, I, had, really? uh, yeah. So I had already crazy. designed for his band and through their record label in Los Angeles. So oh here gosh. he is in Columbus he has a band and the people who handle the art for his band are yeah. in Los Angeles and they're asking me to design stuff. That is so hilarious. from Columbus to Los Angeles, and back I did, to Columbus. I just want to say, I didn't mean to diminish it in any way. I just meant sometimes in your career, like, well, like the Nickelodeon thing happened for me where I met someone and it kind of rolled into a bunch of different things. Well, and, being able to know him personally meant that he trusted me right. and he knew that he trusted my taste. He trusted all that stuff. And like he had the opportunity, I can just let this yes. guy do whatever he wants to do. But there's a degree of riding that wave. So for me, uh, the Nickelodeon thing kind of unraveled organically without me really thinking, I want to go into the kids market and do this kind of thing. And that it was okay. That thing's kind of happening. I like that. Mm -hmm. Let's think about how do I use this thing? Um, that, how do I use that opportunity? to fill me with hope that this is a direction that I could actually go into. And for you, it looked like that experience was fantastic of having your hand on everything, being right. able to really feel the soul of the band. Yes. That, yeah. I, I see where you're going. So yep. that gave me the opportunity that it was more fun for me to dig in deep yes. with one band. So yep. to kind of simplify it, I want to stop doing a ton of stuff or I want to stop doing a few things for a ton of clients. Yes. And I want to start doing a ton of things for a few clients. Yep. Meaning I would rather take one band and dig in really deep with them and really understand each other yep. on a deep level and understand where they want to go. Because with 21 pilots, for example, me and the lead singer have had maybe one and a half emails about design yeah. and I've created hundreds of things yeah. for that band. So he, we trusted early and we started believing the same religion, religion mm -hmm. in air quotes, if yes. you're understanding what I'm saying. Yep. We were believing the same religion early on. So if we can all establish this religion, establish this Bible, yep. then it's going to be easy to make decisions years from now because yep. we all know that we believe the same thing. And we have the same values. So when it comes to a brand, that's where you want to get. You want to get to the point where you all are on the same level with what you believe. Yes. Anyway, this has now become the thing that excites me. So mm. it was refreshing to me to get even to a new level in my career where this was now an opportunity and I wanted to put more focus on a career that operated like this yeah. as opposed to the career style I had previously where I was like, if anybody wants any type of graphic tee design done, no matter who you are, then yeah, I'll yes. do it. If it's for a soccer team, if it's for a resort, if it's for a band, if it's for an event, whatever it is, I'll do it. I'm the yeah. graphic tee guy. Well, I started realizing inside the realm of graphic tees, there was something even more specific that I wanted yeah. to do. And I think that over the course of a career, a designer should know that at the beginning, do every single thing you're capable of. Mm -hmm. And over time, yeah, you must be, be patient. Don't, yeah. you know, don't, you can't, you can't, I think one of the things that happens to people that kind of burn out early on is that they discriminate, you yeah. know, and, and the jobs come in, in all shapes and sizes. And you, and I think one of the things about being 20 years old is you don't know yourself and you, you don't are, know much about the industry, the industry, by the time you're in your prime, the industry will have changed so much 
you, you might find your passion as a thing that didn't exist when you were 20. Right. And when you're 20 years old, you are insanely impatient. Yes. Totally. And if I come totally. here and tell it as a 33 year old and I go and tell a 20 year old person, I started when I was 19 yep. and I'm still trying to get where I want to yes. be. And sure, I make, I make a good living. I have a cool career. Like I have a cool portfolio, all that stuff. I'm happy with my career, yep. but there is no, you know, and I've been through this concept a lot lately and been dealing with it, but there is no top of the mountain. No. There's just that realization that, okay, I'm an artist for a living now. And this is the life I'm living the life I want to live. When the, Can the career improve? Sure. But yes, I'm living the life yes. I want to live. That's huge. And when the desire dies and you're at the top of the mountain, you're not motivated anymore. Right. The top of the mountain is tricky. It's part of what, yeah, it's part of what uh, keeps you going. Um, So just to recap that idea, as you're doing the inner work and you're you're looking for what are the core desires that are going to push me forward, propel me, not just so I feel excited every day, but when you don't feel excited, that it brings you back to the table, makes you disciplined. One of the things to think about is not just out of all the possibilities in the world that I could do, what are some of the things that I've already tasted that I'd like to taste more of? Right. Yeah, that can be a beneficial thing because that is something you can build upon in terms of hope because because you've done that, if you'd never done that 21 Pilots thing, you might not even know if it's a possibility. Right, I didn't know that, you know, creating a full brand experience was possible just because... In the band merchandise industry, everything is so a la carte and everything is very competitive. So I'm yep. up against a bunch of other guys for every single thing that I do. Yes. And these guys are my friends, but we all know that we are totally battling each other. We all know that we are competitors and it's yep. cutthroat. Yeah. So in that way, you kind of get whatever you can. You get whatever jabs or whatever metaphor you want to use. You get whatever you can get in there. Yep. Um, because it's the idea of having complete 100% control just that's not how everything is set up. It's not set up that way. It's set up to source art from as many artists as possible to narrow it down to something. Well, what if there's an artist that can really hone in on the brand? And what if we can take that brand and make something really cohesive with it? This is now my passion because I can't say that I really enjoy branding projects with like restaurants and businesses, like typical branding projects, because there's not the, the emotion is every band comes equipped with a certain level of emotion yes. behind it, yeah. you know, some more than others, but you know that a band has emotion behind it. They're screaming what yeah. they're singing there yeah. or they're, you know, a, from Adele to my chemical romance yeah. to slipknot, whatever there's emotion there. So when you get a business sort of like, is there any emotion here yes. at all? Yeah, like, the, there's there, you know, obviously there are other people that totally can tap into that and enjoy that. But it can feel like you're fabricating an emotion. Right. Yeah, With bands, it's right there on their yes, sleeve totally. and it's easier to, it's easier to do it. And you know, I enjoy that type of work more than I enjoy branding a company. Now, could I brand a company? Sure. Of course I've done that plenty of times before, yeah. but for me at this point in my career, I'm like we said, I'm tapping in to the little tiny things that are motivating me to keep doing it. And man, when I get on board with the vibe Mm -hmm. that someone's going for, and when I convert to that religion, that is a motive. That's the motivator. That's going to keep you going. Makes is building Legos in the corner. I want to think about that, that being pepped up less like 
necessarily a feeling and more like when that desire and the hope is kind of spinning and they kind of feed off of each other and you're sat at that exit and your cars run out of gas and there's a giant line, you're going to get out of your car, you're going to run until your shoes fall off. And that that's the kind of pep that I'm talking about because thriving financially with a creative career that you're excited about is a significant achievement. A significant achievement. And you are going to find these brick walls and, and you're only going to get through them when you're deeply tapped into these desires and you're, you're hopeful that the work that you're putting in day after day after day is going to add up into something that you really want. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, the, the bigger picture. You know, like there's art directors or something, you know, people who request work yes. will come in and ask me, hey, can you design this, 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 and this? And what I don't get a chance to say to them, which I want to say, but I have to, you know, maintain these relationships is no, I don't want to do that because that does not sound fun. Yeah. And I'm only at a stage of my career now where I can say stuff like that. Well, I wish I could say stuff like that. I may find some other excuse to turn the project down to, instead of just telling them that's fun. Because if you tell anybody, you don't want to do, I don't want to do the thing you're going to pay me for because it doesn't sound fun. Sounds extremely privileged. It sounds, yeah, yeah, it's privileged and it's spoiled and all this stuff. But the reason that I would even think that way is because I'm starting, you know, I treat my career like this, um, I protect this thing. And if anybody's trying to mess with it, everybody, I protect my soul. If anybody's trying to kill my soul, it's like a rabid wolf. Like, no, get your hands off this because I'm operating on passion. I'm excited about what I'm doing. It's like bursting a bubble. You watch a four-year-old kid run around and be happy, having a great day. Who's let's say this four-year-old kid's been through some stuff, but he's having a great day today. And somebody comes in here and bursts his bubble. Yep. Like, I won't let anybody burst that bubble yep. because I have this career and it's driven by passion and it's driven by excitement. So if there's any ounce, any sliver of excitement that's driving me, I can't let somebody kill that. Yes. And this is an idealistic thought. I know that because the reality is that somebody kills it every single day. Yeah. But I know now that this passion, as abstract as it is, is a worthy thing to maintain because that is the best motor yes. I can possibly use when I'm trying to get through a day. And this is the argument. The argument that we're making is this core passion, this core desire, this energy, this motivation. When you realize that this is the thing perpetuating the whole thing, you do need, you do know I need to protect this thing. Yeah. I need to make sure that I'm doing the inner work, that I'm finding the hope, that I'm getting in around people that are helping me be hopeful about this. And then, you know, I think. The way the place I want to end is stepping back from like, all right, these greater topics of like desire and hope and all that and saying on a daily basis, what are the things that keep you going? And, and, and so this again starts with inner work of like, I'm going to step back and I'm going to observe when do I feel excited about what I'm doing? When do I feel inspired about things? And then quit doing those like an amateur, right. do them like a pro, right. do them like systematically. Because you need to be tapping into this day after day after day. And so for, for, for both of us, we both have a, a form of quiet time, whether it's prayer or meditation, whatever. In the morning, we're getting familiar with going back to the desire, going back to why am I doing this today? Right. How can I, or if it's something I really, on my plate, I really don't want to do, like my taxes. We got to do taxes, right? Yeah. I freaking hate taxes. Me too. But I know there's a, this is the only way I get to do this thing on my own. 
So I go back to that core desire. So I'm going to build up my energy and just say, look, it's better than having a job, yeah. having to deal with your taxes. And so I'm doing that. I'm stepping back from it. And so on a daily basis, what's the routine? What's the morning routine that gets you into the place to do your best work? What are the podcasts? What are the, what are the books? What are the things that you need to keep revisiting because they refuel that feeling? Yeah. And I think, like I said, I de- every day, I guess the actionable steps that I would tell creatives is every day, think about the thing you're excited about, focus on that. Allow yeah. yourself to get excited as possible yeah. about that. Like you get to do that one thing today. Remember, yes, I can't wait to do that. And then think about the thing that you hate to do the most and break it down to its simplest form of what is it that makes you mad? Is it just that art director's personality? And if it's just that art director's personality, then that's something kind of small that you're probably big enough to overlook. Yes. But I mean, you could be the smaller person and get really frustrated and dislike them or something, or maybe just give them a little bit of grace and know that maybe they're having a hard day or maybe they're stressed themselves. Yeah. Whatever you got to do to minimize that thing that's making you mad down as little as you can. And really it's like, you know, for me with event stuff, am I just mad about typing out tour dates? Mm -hmm. Just type out the tour dates. Don't overthink it. Yeah. No one wants to type out tour dates, but if you got to type out tour dates, put them on the back of some t-shirt because it was requested. You don't have to get mad at the entire operation. You don't have to get mad at the entire establishment. Yep. It's just about typing tour and dates. You don't have to eliminate the feeling. You can feel right. the feeling and yeah. just go through it anyway. Deconstruct it and mem- and minimize it. Yep. That's what I do. Everything that makes me mad, I deconstruct it and I minimize it. I'm not saying that I don't get mad all the time. I do get mad. I do get frustrated with these people. But what I'm honing in on is the fact that I enjoy doing that and I don't enjoy doing that. Yep. And that simple thing is always going to be the motivator for where your career can go. Yep. If there's something I know that I'm still going to do the things I dislike doing now, but I know where I want to get to maybe by the time I'm 40 or something Mm -hmm. is not doing too much of that stuff. I really dislike doing, Um, but I'll do it. I mean, I'm going to grind the way I've grinded my entire career and that's okay because if I'm worried about the grind, if I'm worried about just pushing through stuff without thinking about it, I then know I get to zoom out and realize that I indeed am an artist for a living. I'm doing what yes. I wanted to do since I could remember what an occupation and was. You're describing one of the last things I want to say in terms of uh, actionable step is something that you keep doing um, to get that sense of gratitude and that sense of hope and progress is stopping often mm-hmm. and looking back five years ago, 10 years ago and saying, Look at how far I've come. Right. And let's get some perspective on that junky thing that's on your list today. It is nothing compared to the job you had 10 years ago that killed your soul. Right. right. And so that's another thing that you can actionably do and then think, well, just imagine, let your you know, imagination run wild of where can you be in 10 years? Right. Um, and so I think that's, that's the full spectrum for me. I think that uh, there's a lot of stuff to go at there about keeping that motivation seeing it as sacred. Yeah. And I, and I don't, and I don't think it's a replacement for discipline. And I wanted to get into that of like, there's a degree where discipline can kill your soul to the point of you don't want to live. Like, I don't want to get up and keep doing this crappy work day after day after day. That's a discipline that you don't want. You want a discipline that's tied to a deeper desire, something that um, is going to push you into the future. And the, the last thing I wanted to say, something that was really powerful for me was the activity of write down one thing that if you accomplished in the next five years, you could say those five years were uh, a win. They were yeah. a total win. 
it is so hard to find something to write down that you can that you can ascribe that kind of value. But when you get it, that that can push you for years. Say, if I do this thing, I know that I can say those five years were worth it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because you know, with the portfolio that I've built up and yeah. the band roster that I've built up, the question a lot of people ask me is, is there any band that you want to design for that you haven't got a chance yeah. to yet? And if you asked me that four or five years ago, I would have said, yes, yes. Death Cab for Cutie. Yes. I still haven't got to design for And about two or three years ago, I designed a bunch of yep. stuff for Death Cab for Cutie. I still design a bunch of stuff for Death Cab for Cutie. So looking back, knowing that, well, Brandon, what else is there? You've got Nine Inch Nails. You got Death Cab for Cutie. Yep. You know, I, you know, one of my favorite bands when I was little was Green Day. I designed a bunch of stuff for Green. Like I've been able to design all that stuff. So I am able to look back and be like, I've reached those benchmarks. Yep. And, you know, some of the stuff I'm doing now with bands like 30 Seconds to Mars or 21 Pilots being able to dig in much deeper. That is this that gets to use all of my skills and all of my, um, areas of expertise or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, having a band myself, I was able to dig in a lot deeper and I know a little bit more about how bands want to be perceived Mm -hmm. and how bands perceive themselves and stuff. And if I can get a chance to design a little bit more than their t-shirts, then that's a really cool experience for me. So I get to look back on those projects and, and I get to look back on a on a portfolio or a client list that just blows my mind. And I mean, I could be a spoiled brat about it and whine about it now. Um, but if I can just take a step back and look and, or, you know, another thing, another device, you know, talking about actionable steps, another device is you have to use, you know, eight, nine, 10, 15 year old version of yourself. Yes. They have to sit on your shoulder and you have to tell them every now and then what you get to do for a living. Yes. Because, from their perspective, no matter what stress you think you went about that day, it is so minimal because their jaw is still on the floor because you just told them you're an artist for a living. You get to be creative for a living. You know how you color all day? You get to do that as an adult. And if you're not focusing on that, you are a spoiled brat. And a lot of us creatives, the more and more we talk about creative block and all that stuff, we are spoiled brats and we have to realize how blessed we are to get to do this stuff and how abnormal of a job this is. And I think us being in the Midwest, we understand that this is not what a job is. Totally, You know, there's no sweat. There's no like exhaustion. Like our legs don't hurt after this work. It's just, we're just draining our brain that I think that comes with not everybody that's in the Midwest, but I, I definitely feel it. Like I'm, on a daily basis, I recognize the privilege and the yeah. blessing that is the stuff that I get to do on a regular basis. Yeah. Totally. And, and the elitist perspective is yeah. one where everybody's just has these white collar jobs and yeah. none of us have ever, none of us know, know how to swing no. a hammer or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So that's the type of mentality that you got to get yourself but it is out extremely of. Extremely motivating to me to think if I could go back even to 10 year old Andy, who is worried about his future because he knows he's not going to fit into the regular culture. He's not going to just succeed on the regular path and say, Hey man, things that you draw are going to be on Nickelodeon. I would literally, (laughs) I know for a fact that it would have rocked my world. And that knowing that looking back that far, you know, 20 years ago to think, man, in 20 years, just imagine, just let, 
just let the positive imagination say, not the negative anxiety of like, oh hell, the things that are going to happen in the next yeah. 20 years. Um, so yeah, that is a massively motivating factor. I used to have all these old skateboard catalogs and they were full, they were CCS catalogs and they were just full of graphic t-shirts. Yes. And I would just sit and stare at them forever. And I yeah. was so intrigued by how every single one had a different story. Every single one had a different vibe and I wanted all of them, but you know, my family couldn't afford any of them. So it was just like, I would just dream about it and I can yeah. just imagine some, you know, somebody coming to, you know, me coming to me from the future and saying, you get to do that for a living. Yes. See you later. And be like, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Thank God. And, and so I actually do believe it. The physical act of stopping and I have, I have a piece of paper that I carry in my wallet. I kid you not. Yeah. Of, this is the thing that I want to do. And writing that was so difficult and it took me months to think if there's one thing, what would it be? And, and honestly, nothing has motivated me like that. Actually, I kid you not. I'm not saying it for the sake of the podcast. There's something about the clarity there. And it came from uh, something I talk about all the time, which is this book called think and grow rich. And his whole thing is he, he interviewed tons of millionaires back in the day. And the thing that he found was with these entrepreneurs, the people that were ultimately extremely successful, were they had this deep clarity of a one burning desire. They, had, they knew exactly the thing that they wanted to do. They're, they're, there's a thing that happens in your subconscious when you start dwelling on this same thing where you're... Your body goes into autopilot of, I'm going to make this happen. Whether I feel like it, whether I question it, whether I'm not sure anymore, there's just a part of you that says, I have to do this thing. And it means that you wait in line, you go through the stuff. It, it doesn't matter if you're tired, that there's something so powerful about that. Yeah. Um, there and, is no uh, choice. There's you're no choice anymore. It. Right. There, and it's a beautiful thing because yeah. it changes you and it breaks off the weak parts of you that say, I don't want to get up early in the morning on this deadline. Yeah. I don't want to stay up all night. I don't want to put in more time. I don't want to take the draft and throw it out and redo it all over again. But there's this thing that says, yeah, but that's the thing you want to do. Yeah, it is. And you're like, oh, I just gosh. had an, I had an episode, episode five, where uh, the title was Obsessed. And Did I we said, say the name of your podcast? Oh, I don't think so. You um, might want to do that. My podcast is called The Graphic Sound. You yes. can find it on iTunes. I'm going to give an intro with it, too. TheGraphicSound.com, so. blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's not hard to find. Yeah. My name's Brandon Reich, and <laughs> it's The Graphic Sound. Anyway, yeah. episode five is called Obsessed. Yes. And I had a basic concept of throw away all those Pinterest quotes. Throw away the do what you love, love what you do, all that stuff, because we don't know what it means. Like erase all that and just remind yourself that you love doing this stuff. Yes. Yep. And, and it's a very simple thing. Like this thing that you're, that's driving you nuts, this thing that's keeping you up all hours of the night, you love doing it. You've yeah. arrived. You're here doing yes. it for a living. Someone's going to pay you to draw pictures. And you know, there's an obsession that we have that is probably a stronger driving force than any deadline, yep. than any expectation that, you know, somebody has on you. I think if we can reconnect with our basic obsession to create art mm -hmm. or whatever it is we're creating or create music or create movies, whatever, whoever, whatever creatives listen to this, if we can get back to that basic obsession for why we do what we do, man, that's such a better motivator yes. than all the other stuff. You're gonna, 
if you can continue staying in touch with what you love doing, then I think you can have a career. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be in touch with how much money you think you need to make or how, whatever taste level you think you have or whatever you think you're entitled to, I don't think you're going to make it as a, as a creative or at least as a freelance creative or whatever approach you're going to take this passion, this obsession and this positivity and this excitement is the best of all motivators. You yeah. will continue doing it just on a se- obsession alone. Yep. And that's it. And that, that I, I think that that we've looked at it from all these different angles. I think it's, um, for me, I'm actually working on, I'm, I'm working on this body of work. I don't know if it's going to turn into an online class. I don't know if it's going to turn into a book. I don't know where it's going to go, but it's about it. It's practices to fuel, uh, that inner work to find that sense of deep desire. And my dad had pointed it out to me recently and he said, I was telling him about this, this product, this thing that I'm working on that I don't want to talk too much about. Um, and I said, you know, I know this thing is so powerful. And he said, the thing about it is, is that as you did all of this work, it and ignited this desire in you that changed Andy as a person. He went from a regular person who was, fine doing the bare minimum, you know, clocked out, whatever, to this person that was lit on fire and would do whatever it took to make this thing work. And if you can, if you can find the inner work and, and, and hopefully as the podcast continues and as I develop these different processes, I can help people kind of do some of that inner work, but there's nothing like tapping into that, that desire. Here's a metaphor. I used to work at a mall when I was really young, like a teenager, and I worked at Journeys, the shoe store. Well, okay, let's take Christmas, right? The mall is crazy. And if you're going to get from one end of the mall to the other, it's going to take forever because there's people walking around all over the place because all those people are out there in the middle of the mall where they should be and that's the only place they have to go. Yes. Well, I was an employee of the mall and I could go out the back door. And if mm-hmm. I went out the back door, there was an empty hallway that went the entire length of the mall yeah. and I could get to the car. I get to my car that's on the other side as fast as I could possibly yes. go. No problem. At some point, I realized that I had that for life. Mm. And I look at all these other people who hate their job, all these people who their job was based on some expectation that they had growing up or just whatever job you could get. Or, you know, this is the job that my grandpa had and then this is the job my dad had. So I guess this is the job I have. This is the same factory I all work in. All these people view occupation as something we kind of just fall in line and do. The masses in the middle of the mall. Right. And, clogged up doing right. the day and, in, day and maybe out the, thing. maybe the good thing is that that's going to end at five o'clock every day yeah. and that five o'clock every day, you'll go and look at other areas of your life. Yep. Um, but for whatever reason, I get to go through this back door where I get to enjoy what I do. And same way as you, there was this shift that happened around 26, 27 yes. years old or something where I'm just sort of like, Oh, I got, I got a golden ticket. Yep. I got this back door and I've got to do everything I can to protect it. This isn't, this is something that is rare. Mm -hmm. This is something I have to protect. And if I'm realizing that I enjoy, that I enjoy what I do for a living, that is the differentiator Mm -hmm. in this scenario where all those people that are inside the mall are mad because people are in their way all the time are mad because they can't get where they want to be and all this stuff. Well, here I am skipping through the back hall as fast yeah. as I can go and nothing is in my way. I've got that in life where I get to 
I get to do what I'm best at for yep. a living. I get to do what I'm most excited about doing for a living. And that's where this violent protection yeah. of this passion yeah. comes from yeah. where I'm like, and this is why it gets as dark for me to say, I will not let you kill my yeah. soul because I tried so hard to maintain this soul. And I found this back door and I, yep. just, I know I am so lucky that my soul gets to stay relatively um, intact. Mm. And that's why now at 27 or whatever age it is, whenever that shift happens, that's when you start getting into the motivational yeah. type of stuff or the stuff that kind of fills you on a spiritual level. And that's where we're at now. So at age 33, I care much more about the thing that's going to maintain my excitement yeah. than I do the thing that's going to teach me how to use Adobe Illustrator. You and that's know, why you got to be careful. You know, you notice, wait a second, I'm all of a sudden I'm surrounded by a crowd and I'm in, I'm in the middle of the mall and you've lost that right. powerful thing that's underneath all of this. And that's, that's what this episode's about. How do you find, how do you tap into that thing that gives you the power to push past everybody else? And, and I hope that, uh, I, th I think that we've unearthed some things. It's even helpful for me to like hash all this out. Um, so thanks, man. I really appreciate it. it was yeah, super man. Fun. I hope they can find something in here because there's some good stuff. I think driven by, I know we just tried to end, but uh, no, dude, go <laughs> false <ahead>. departure. <laughs> um, I think being driven by passion and yeah. not driven by necessity is where we want to get to. At it's an first, unfair. It's the unfair advantage. It's an unfair advantage. Just like just like the back hallways of the mall. It's the right. unfair advantage that if you can find how to enjoy this stuff, right? There's no competition, right? And I think that it's worth the effort to be driven by passion at some point. At the beginning, be driven by necessity. Make do whatever work. you got to do yeah. to make it work. But the goal is someday I'm going to do, you know, someday 85% of the stuff that I do, I'm going to be super passionate about. And I think that's a yeah. good place to get to. Totally. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Great time. Thanks. Oh man, that was such a good episode. I had a blast talking to my brother, Brandon Reich. Don't forget to go check out his interview with me on The Graphic Sound, episode 10. Go check out his podcast and go love and support that dude. Thanks, man. I super appreciate it. What a good episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. I hope this episode helps you find clarity and strategy for your creative career. Thank you to Yoni Wolf and his band Y for our theme music. Thanks to our proud syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show on illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Thank you to my man, Nate Utesh. He is one of my favorite people. I love that guy. He let us use his music. Uh, his band's music, Metavari. That music is super good, really good work stuff, um, getting the flow, you know, not a lot of uh, lyrics and singing. It's just kind of like good jamming music to be making your work. Um, go check it out. Thank you, Nate. Thank you to all the listeners. I couldn't appreciate you guys more. Guys, you've got to stay pepped up. What a weird, that was a weird note to end on. Let me try that again. Guys, come on. Stay pepped up. Do, do whatever it takes. <laughs>
I don't know what these energies are that I'm channeling right now. Let me try that one more time. Stay pep top! <laughs>